F equals uh, to Mike. Gonna keep using that till somebody tells me to stop calling you guys frequels. Um, I'm jumping in real quick at the beginning to give you a heads up. The audio on this is a little patchy. Madison bought a new headset so that his audio quality would go up. Uh, it took him a little bit to figure out like the perfect microphone placement. Uh, so it's a little uneven. My voice is a little echoey because uh, at one point my audio was coming through his headphones and the microphone was picking it up. So I, I cut it as best I could. Uh, there's going to be a few places where I can't, can't be helped. Uh, so we appreciate your patience. Uh, last thing is that we are not doing a synopsis for a bug's life in this one. We're going to start doing synopses for all the movies. We're going to start doing the movie synopses more regularly for the movies. Uh, this week we don't have one, and next week I don't think we're going to have one because the movie that we have doesn't really rely on the first movie story at all. Uh, but starting with the episode after that, we are going to be doing a synopsis of each film so that the onus isn't on you to watch them. But for the next couple episodes at least, I don't think we're going to have one. So that's it. That's all I've got for you right now. Uh, with no further ado, I will pass it on to myself from the past for more talking. Coming soon to a theater near you, it's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Knoll, and I am joined, as always, by the sequel to my prequel, Madison Jones. Madison Jones, are you in good form? You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. I think that's all we are allowed to broadcast. Don't you remember what Heimlich said? What's one quote Heimlich said? One quote. Um, did I do a German accent? Really super don't. Okay. Um, Just the most don't. Okay. Um, so, he's like, Madison. He, he's like, boysenberry. <laughs> okay, you know what? Hit me with that one more time. Boysenberry. That's my non-offensive German accent. <laughs> Impression of Heimlich, the cat of... of... <laughs> Your non-offensive Heimlich impersonation is Yogi Bear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Madison, um, last week, Space Jam 2, The Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. I don't know if you've been reading the reviews. I haven't. But uh, they're not too good. The uh, Chicago Tribune had this to say. They wished Michael Jordan was dead so that he wouldn't have to know that this movie existed. Wow. Pretty, it's pretty dark. Yeah. Um. We in Chicago. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> what did what did the Sun Times say? The Sun Times, they doxed us basically. They just doxed us. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they just doxed us. Okay. But like that, the headline was our names, our photos, and all of our personal information. Like the whole front page was just the headline <laughs> doxing us. My uh, the Knoll side of my family actually started a petition to have me legally declared a bastard because it was <laughs> too. Wow. No, your family liked my parts in oh, it, but okay. they didn't like yeah, your yeah, part. Okay, that's true. That makes sense. Yeah. They they were just they thought I tried to force Emma Watson and Rupert Grant into there too much. Yeah, they real re- you really like try to crowbar them in. Yeah, they they anyway. really liked the spell duel thing, which was weird. Yeah, they like the spell duel thing. They like the um. What what were some of my other ideas from that? <laughs> Your Sammy Sam coming the mustache over. Oh yeah, that classic bit. All right, so this week is another head to head where Madison and I will both be presenting pitches for our version of A Bug's Life Two. If it's alright with you, Madison, I'll go first this week because you went first with Hook Two. I guess that's fair. Uh, if you'd like to go first, you can. No, no, no. Go ready. So uh, my pitch: the movie is just called A Bug's Life Two. There isn't a subtitle. Okay. Um, on this one, I think it's going to be sort of a direct sequel, like within a few years after it came out, but it doesn't tie in enough that it matters. The circus and this, the circus bugs are the focus okay. of my pitch because I always remember a bug's life more fondly than I think it deserves. Cause every time I watch a bug's life, I remember how much I don't like a bug's life. I don't like flick. I don't like the ants. The circus bugs are the only characters I actually like. Flick's kind of a fucker. 
Like, yeah, and he, like he's, I don't know. Uh, and we're going to go into this in my pitch, but he learns no lesson in this movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's basically Flick. I don't know. We can get into it, that, yeah. into Flick with your pitch, but I just, the the bugs, the all of the arcs for the ants, I don't care about. Flick learns too that he can do it. They all learn to like be a little bit more chill with Flick. Dot learns that she can do it. Like, it's just very normal, like, easy arcs for them. Circus bugs, it's also easy, but they're just more fun to watch. So I focus on the circus. So in my movie, their luck's kind of turned around, like in universe. Um, I have two. It's been two years since the events of a bug's life, and they are performing on the on a big stage in the city, Wasp Vegas. Oh my god! Yep. Now, Madison, I did warn you earlier this week that mm-hmm. there was a name in this pitch that would make you groan. Yep. <laughs> I want you to. I want you to call out when you think i've hit that name okay they're just a fun game we'll play okay is uh, so it, they're performing Go ahead. is it about to come up or is it going to be somewhere uh, is it going to be it's within it's in my pitch it's, it's in somewhere. the pitch okay and you have to pick which one i will say since then i've added several names that i'm not sure maybe they'll make you grow in more but we'll see okay um they're performing in Wasp Vegas at a hotel owned by the entrepreneur and tough guy, Mr. Buzz, a wasp who wears a yellow suit, specifically a yellow jacket. Oh, my God. That wasn't it. No. Um, PT wins. Or PT plays um, poker with Mr. Buzz and like other guys there because he's like the big act, like leader of the big act. And one night, PT wins um, a stamp. Like for them, it's like art, mm-hmm. but he wins the stamp that Mr. Buzz doesn't actually think it's worth much. PT is pretty drunk and it's just like, yeah, just I'll take that fucking stamp or whatever. And he hawks it for easy cash. Uh, the next day, we fi- they find out that it was sold to a museum for fuckloads of money or whatever the currency they use in the bug world. Little Green, pe- little maybe. Piece, little pieces of poop. Like- yeah, something like that. Um and so Mr. Buzz handed away this fortune and then fucking PT sold it for drink more drinking money. So Buzz shows up and takes PT and tells the circus bugs they have one week to get the stamp back. And so this is kind of where the character arc for the troop is going to, this is a heist basically. Yeah. This is like an ocean's 11. Like, Oh yeah. That, that was very much a inspiration in my mind of this. It was either going to be a murder mystery or a heist. And I felt like coming off of, Again, what was referred to my pitch as the alcoholism and PTSD of Hook 2. I needed to take a lighter tone. Yeah. And it's also a kid's movie, so to some extent. So the arc for the character, the troop is kind of going to get the main arc. like, And it's the idea that even in A Bug's Life, they were performers. They were the actors. They never really like called the shots. In the circus, PT writes the copy. He comes up with the acts, and they just do it. Here, it's like they have to come up with the plan, execute the plan, etc. So it's kind of them like gaining the confidence of like we're not just actors; like we can do this. Also, it's still kind of an easy arc, but for a heist movie, you don't need a huge amount of character arc. Um, yeah, uh, and we kind of start with like the it starts at the beginning when PT gives them like I write the script, you guys act it out. If it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing where they want to like a part in like planning acts and stuff and doesn't work. Um, so they start to case the location or in the ways of the museum, other heist terms. Um, they're <laughs> spotted very clearly kind of planning a heist by famed detective Hercule Poirot. And was that it? Who? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> who immediately clocks them as thieves. Like he's like, obviously they're like looking at their watches a lot, like counting paces. Hercule Poirot. I'm sorry. Poirot. Is that, is that a, is that a literary reference? Yes. Hercule Poirot is the famed detective from Agatha Christie. Oh, I am not cultured. Real quick. Shout out to our friend Kylie who fielded more than two or three frantic Facebook messages asking for Poirot lore (laughs) while I was working on this pitch he immediately clocks them as thieves. Cause like I said, they're like clearly like timing guard shifts. Like they're not very subtle, subtle enough that they're not picked up by like, he knows what to look for. And so it's like, he obviously notices them. They 
also clock Poiroch and start to freak out. And this is going to be kind of the counterpoint for their arc is like now not only are they like making up this heist, they have to try to beat this great detective. Like they have to write a story so good, like write their adventure so good that they can fool even him. Now, Madison, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Mike, what's the name of this museum? I, I was thinking exactly that. Well, here's the thing. I came up with enough that I liked that I thought I would let you pick from this list. Okay. The Larve. So like Larva, Louvre. Oh my God. The Smithsonian. The Metropolitan Museum of Art. Ooh. The Lysonian. The Buggenheim, like the Guggenheim. Oh, that's good. And this last one is mostly for either my sister or Aaron Space Geeks, the Udvar Larvae Air and Space Museum. <laughs> In Washington, D.C., there's an Air and Space Museum um, called the Udvar Hobby Air and Space Museum. And they have like the Enola Gay there. They have one of the planes that dropped one of the atomic bombs there. It's just like okay. a focus solely on air and space. Um, just murder, uh, uh, testament to mass murder. Yeah. I mean, they have like space uh, shuttles and stuff there too. It's not just okay. that one plane. Like okay. Um, so uh, the Larve, it's the that... Smithsonian, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the Lysonian, or the Buggenheim Museum. Can it can it be just the Mothsonian? The Mothsonian. Yeah. It can be. Yes. Because I because I think like if it was Smithsonian, I think like it would have to be that the the bugs knew they were making a pun you know rather than like them naming it after <laughs> sure i mean I, I i said i'd let you pick so if that's your pick what was the first one the larve instead of the, the larve man i think i still like mothsonian better okay so the mothsonian the name doesn't really come back up i just thought it would, i would let you <sighs> pick the name you let me have these huge plot decisions and there's just like okay little, let's, let's say this little then. little blips in your web of narrative oh, wet i see what you did there because spiders well then let's just listener always assume that i'm referring to the mothsonian when i'm talking <laughs> in my pitch all right so oh but madison that's not all you're thinking you're also thinking does mike have a second layer of pun for poroch the answer is of course i do as i'm sure <laughs> you know the poro novels were written by acclaimed crime novelist agatha christie but Mike, what does that have to do with a pun? The answer to that question is Maggotha Christie. Oh my God! See that that wouldn't have flown over my head. Like that wouldn't have. That wouldn't have. have. That wouldn't have. Sure. But that one's good. Maggotha Christie. That's so good. So, uh, what does Maggotha Christie look like? Oh, she doesn't. She's not in the movie. Oh, she's just. That's just a fun her. pun. I assumed. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. So back to the actual plot. Uh, Sing Poroch has them scrambling kind of to alter their plan because okay. now that they've been made, like they need something else. Yeah. So stick visits an artist. He, who owes him a favor, a centipede and her name, Madison is Pete Acallo. Oh my God, Mike. Um, and she paints them basically See, the a fake stamp. That was the real one. That's the one that would have got me. You didn't you know. know? But that I, was well, the one. The thing is, I almost changed it. Like in like, like I when I told you it was Hercule Poirot, but then later I wrote this bit in, and I thought like, oh, I should really pick that one. But to stay true to the, the game and everything, I kept the correct the one that I thought was going to be it. But I knew, I knew one of the later puns was going to be the thing. That's so good. It would have been um, a, it would have been the biggest mistake of your life if you took that out of this. Oh, no, I mean, I would have kept the, the pun. I just meant changing. And so when you guessed, I would have been, oh, yeah, it was Peter Call. Definitely. Instead Got of it. copying to, no, it was this other one that I, you know. Yeah. Um, so she basically she paints them a fake, like a fake uh, forgery of the, um, the stamp. And the plan is that Manny, the praying mantis, and Heimlich will both visit one as a foreign prince and the other as a foreign diplomat from different countries. They'll visit on separate <laughs> days, casing different aspects. When they do this, we see Poirot, at least in part, like, you know, maybe we see like one of his antenna and like a, like a pipe, or I don't know, some way that we can tell that he's subtly like watching from the wings. Yeah. After they visited, both will appear on heist day to buy it. They start a bidding war that gets heated as cover. Uh, Rosie, Moth, and the Pillbugs 
will perpetuate the actual stealing slash replacing. Um, the rest of them are, and I'll, I'll get into this in a minute when I finish with the pitch, but the rest of them have like a job, like as part of the act with one of the two, either Manny or Heimlich. Yeah. I'm going to gloss over the heist details for now for a specific reason. We'll get to at the end, but like all heist films, at some point, everything will go to shit, but they'll pull through. So at this point in the plot, presume they've done it. Like they've gotten away, right? And, and I promise we'll come back to the actual heist. Okay. Poirot is leaving the museum, trying to follow the circus bugs. He's intercepted by Buzz's men who basically bring him to Buzz's office to verify that the stamp that they stole is legitimate because he's been watching like they've they know that he was watching them like he's basically there to be like did they try to fuck with me yeah um so he examines the art and confirms that it is real um they're bustling out of town with pt when they run into poirot this is later he outlines the details of the heist but then says something like but they but you stole nothing what they did was they smuggled the fake into the gallery and then back out again. He, they faked a heist. <laughs> um, and they had Peter Kahlo make like an imperfection in this the new stamp that they knew Poirot would catch, but that like the uh, average person wouldn't. Got it. So like Poirot is such a good detective. He knows. Exactly. He's basically fake. because he didn't know up until then he was their owl. Like he was the way that they got like their exit strategy of like this master detective is like, yeah, like I watched them. This is how they did it. Yeah. Yes. This is the real. And like, as he's examining it, he sees the imperfection. And I, I was thinking it was something like written very small, like play along or something like that, like a, a message of like, yeah. All right. So that's basically cut. And then they, they leave Wasp Vegas. Um, that's my pitch. I know it's kind of light. I figured it would be f- more interesting if for the back half of this of my pitch if we riffed on what the heist plan was okay just me talking about how a heist went down got it so like those that's like the skeleton yes big exactly. parts like, of the heist okay yeah and so like right. that's why i was saying is i'll come back to the heist because i have some detail ideas but i wanted to get like through the, the like you said the skeleton and then we could maybe like josh a few ideas around um yeah so what i have is manny is the diplomat the manny the um praying mantis and he is mr mantodea which is latin for mantis okay uh francis the ladybug is his security Mm -hmm. um on the other side heimlich the foreign prince is prince lepidoptera which is latin for butterfly uh, Stick is his butler, and the eight ants that leave the colony with them at the end of a bug's life <laughs> are, are like carrying Heimlich, like on like a stretcher, like Got a it. Cleopatra kind of thing. So, what what like kind of like nationality is Heimlich playing? Yes. Yeah, I mean, like it makes sense that he's I mean, his that he's being like a German guy, right? Yeah, I mean, kind of. Yeah, it's just that his his crazy accent with a crazy like prince lepidoptera i figured would do most of the work yeah for me of yeah uh i just think it would be weird like if he had the german accent and he was trying to do another accent oh that would be pretty good i think that that will definitely be a bit where he's like yes i can do an accent and he tries it and it's just unintelligible yeah. it's very brad pitt in inglorious bastards-esque like yeah or like he does he tries to put like a weird accent on top of his accent, and it's just George Clooney. Like we get George Clooney for that like eight second bit. It sounds like that, very crisp and divine. That would be great. Like any time that he talks and he like does an accent, it is George Clooney, and we get George Clooney. Like done. Yeah, done and yeah, done. yeah. Okay, I like that because um, I think because he's the only one like with an accent in like the troop, right? Like except for like the Roly Poly yeah. Bugs um and manny the praying mantis has like a very dignified british accent got it okay but yeah but yeah generally otherwise no yeah i think that i think that's a fun like turn on that joke so the the only bit i have kind of this plot of this heist plotted is that when the bidding war starts when the two guests show up like the dignitaries like manny and heimlich and their you know retinue um they're going to like basically empty the museum of people yeah and i think that's the exit strategy like that's how they smuggle it out got it okay so 
basically Rosie, Moth, and the Pillbugs are going to smuggle the fake in, maybe replace it already with the real one, and then the day of the actual heist come in, bring the real one back in, and smuggle, like swap it out. Got it. So what I want to know, so um, does Mr. Buzz, they know, does Mr. Buzz know the circus guys besides pt yeah i mean he's the one who comes to them and tells them like you're going to steal this for me oh okay so yeah they're not stealing it from him oh i thought they were they're stealing it for him they're stealing it for mr buzz got yes. it oh I thought, I thought they were stealing it I, I from the mothsonian yeah i thought they were stealing it for pt because he like lost it okay no no no, no. it's very much mr buzz like gambled it away thinking it was nothing pt hawked it for like no money basically because he thought it was nothing and then it turns out it's like extraordinarily valuable and mr buzz like no i i want that back now like you're going to get that back for me yeah okay so who's like the villain like who's someone that like besides like the is is the detective the like kind of i think he's the antagonist in a way okay i mean yeah that's the thing i i don't know how he i guess he could have like i guess he would for him to be an antagonist he'd have to inform the museum and be like actively working against their heist yeah so i think maybe like he is trying because what I, what i want like that what because we talked about like the bidding on it and everything and like the bidding war mm-hmm. it'd be fun like if you got like the two pill bugs, um, you know, whatever their names are. Um, Tuck and roll. If it's like them, like having a bidding war with each other, and then like they they just keep raising like their paddles or whatever, and then like another one comes up over there, and then like they run to the other side and they like hit like it. That's good. Fr- from like That's so good. From like a backwards crowd angle, it looks like that like a bunch of people are bidding on it and stuff, mm-hmm. but they just keep running back and forth, like rolling around and like, sure. You see like the flags go up for, um, um, for the bidding where I imagined it would be just the two like Manny and Heimlich in like in a, in the main museum floor, like bidding against each other. But I mean, I could change it to that. Cause I like that idea of what does that serve though for? I think it causes confusion. Sure. It starts like, a bidding more and it's also a distraction so people aren't looking at the at the stand. exactly like like people are just like looking I around like they're like who's who keeps bidding on this who's it but they can't see them because they're short little pill bugs you know like sure uh, okay so i'll change it this way then the Mothsonian gets it and it's now worth this huge amount of money they're going to sell it as like a fundraiser because yeah. it's not like a historical work of art it's like this I don't know, it's like a Banksy or whatever for, although that would be Bug Banksy. Bug like, Banksy. Just like stamps, pops it on the wall. I'm trying to think of like a bug that rhymes with Banksy. Could be Lanksy and it could be another stick bug. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess no one knows who Banksy is. Uh, so who knows? Um Anyway, so yeah, I think that could cause like a distraction, just like who's bidding and like no one can follow it. And then like, like, and um, while that's happening, uh, let's see. What's like, so sorry, need... I'm still on Banksy pun. Yeah. So we need, we need an exit strategy, right? Yeah, I think, hmm. yeah. Well, they also have to figure out like, because they replaced their legitimate one with a fake and then steal the fake back. What if um, part of this plan is, because mm-hmm. I imagine like, because it's, it's like Ocean's Eleven, they like maybe mm-hmm. gather a few more people because they got like, a, what was the Frida Kahlo? What is the? Pita Kahlo. Pita Kahlo. Maybe they get like a stink bug or something. And sure. uh like oh yeah i mean they can pay like we don't need like a shitload of characters they can just be like oh yeah we paid this guy to like do this like they just paid him off yeah um and they like get a stink bug to like do the thing or Mm -hmm. maybe um maybe the maybe the um curator the curator or the person running the auction is a is a uh, stink bug Mm-hmm. And they know 
he lets out his stink when he gets nervous and that, so that's good there's smart jokes for the kids yeah well in causing the bidding war and not knowing who's actually bidding like gets oh, him flustered yeah. and then like he's like ah, ah and then just like woof then like everyone's like holy shit all right so now so just i uh, saw so i'm the, the thing is now they're stealing it from the auction well it's just to cause confusion i think like sure no, they, no i'm fine with them i'm just I'm, I'm trying to keep it straight in my head yeah which i think that works i think the auction being the the final goal because then there's still ideas of like they have to do so a little bit of cat burglary for the setup and yeah well what if they already had it at that point and like that po- that's when like like maybe the one that they're showing on there is the fake right yeah like, so i think like the confusion that the one that they had was always the fake but uh they uh the one that was being bid- bidded on was always the fake, but like them like leaving because the stink bug went off causes like mass exodus, and that's how right. they sneak out. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm with you on that. I was saying that. Then how do they? Where, when do they switch originally? Okay, so we need to go back. Then. Yeah, like because the one that they steal from the auction is the fake. Okay. So how do they? What do they do? Like how do they replace? Yeah. The. Uh, and I think honestly, I I like much like them in Ocean's Twelve. Spoilers for the Ocean's movies, I guess they already have the, the like the MacGuffin before they even start the like hunt for it through various plot means. They have the like jewel that they're trying to find, or I think it's like an egg, like a Fabergé egg or something. Mm-hmm. Like they have it before they even start the contest to get it. So like I kind of like the idea that the bugs actually just like cat burgled this museum and it was no big deal. Yeah. Maybe there's someone else. What if there's like a rival thief or something in mm-hmm. this movie and they know that he already has it and they somehow steal it from him and in that stink bug confusion, they pack it up or something or like maybe they switch the briefcases or something like that. Hmm. That would be adding a whole other character to it though. <laughs> I think that they... Here's my pitch. Rosie, the um, spider, mm-hmm. brings in a box that looks like, you know, it could be like a statue, whatever, vases. And it's actually the pill bugs are inside. Got when it. the museum closes for the night, they sneak out, do the switch, get back in the box and stamp it like outgoing or whatever. Okay. Because then there's a fun scene of the, the one, the two bugs, like trying to creep through this museum at night while also you know getting in like fights with each other and shit like it'll be funny yeah i think it'll give some good humor i did rewatch the movie like in preparation well. for this and they are arguably the funniest part of the movie oh like, yeah i mean heim like to an extent but a lot yeah. of that's reliant on his accent and jokes about how he's too fat to do stuff which yeah. is kind of a bummer yeah which is kind of a bummer yeah not yeah um God, so... i just really don't like a bug's life <laughs> Within like five years, I'll think back on it and be like, "Yeah, you know, it was all right. Maybe I'll give it another shot." And I, every time I think that, I watch like, "Yeah, no, I, I have forgotten a lot about this movie." Yeah. What if like they knew like it was getting shipped into the museum, so they mailed the pill bugs at the same exact time, and they they were both like being arrived in like the package area at the exact mm -hmm. same time. So the pill bugs got it and then like switched the boxes. It, they, they're like identical boxes that they were in and just relabeled it and everything. I like, the idea. Look. I like that idea of the identical boxes. I think that the museum already has it when we when they have to start, like when Mr. Buzz tells them to do this heist. Mm-hmm. The museum already has the thing, but I like the idea that it's, they, it's kept in a box basically identical to the one the pill bugs are in. Yeah. I think that works. So, oh, uh, during the the they the pill bugs because this is one of the parts where maybe it looks like the plane's starting to go to shit. The pill bugs get caught, like fucking trumping up the bidding. Yeah. And the viewers like, well, sh- like shit. That's all right. So what now? That's when Heimlich and Manny just start freaking out and they're like yelling at the curator and they're like whipping the crowd up into this like fury of like, how dare you? Is this your idea of a prank? And I've never been so insulted in my yeah. life. An international yeah. incident. And, then, and that's what makes the pill bug or the stink bug crap yeah. his pants yeah. in front of the people at his job. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's a bad I day think, at work. It's a bad day at work. I think that while 
that is not completely plotted out. I think that we should maybe move on to your pitch. Okay. But I th- think we got some, like, I think we have, like, yeah, the, the main the main parts. It's just, like, connecting those webs. Uh, I see eh, you right there. Eh, eh, anyway. Okay. Um, so this is, like, the middle. This is the middle of the podcast now. And if we had sponsors, we'd cut away and then come back to me. But we're... Well, we do actually have a sponsor, Madison. We do? Yeah, this week we're sponsored by Pizza Planet from the movie Toy Story. Ooh, what are some like the best pizzas at Pizza Planet that people should get? Uh, stuffed crust, pineapple, anchovy, and pomegranate. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that's what I really love when I eat pizza is just chomping in and hitting a pomegranate seed. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. That's what the crust is stuffed with. Oh, my God. Not cheese, pomegranates. Oh, God. So thank you to Pizza Planet for sponsoring this week's episode. Okay. Uh, now that we're back from, from our sponsors, Madison, I believe it's time for your pitch. Okay. So mine is also A Bug's Life too. Okay. No subtitle. <laughs> yeah, no subtitle. Um, so first things first, mm-hmm. before we get into this at all, what we're bringing back with this one, and it doesn't happen to the end of the movie, but we're bringing back the fake blooper reels from all the early Pixar movies, oh, you know, yeah, where like sure. they like do like random scenes and like, oh, it's like something funny yeah. happens. Why did they ever get rid of that? It's great. It's probably the best part of Bugs Life, honestly, like thinking back to it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot of the fake yeah. blooper reel over the credits. It's the best part yeah. of their feature. I think the last movie. one they ever did that with was like Monsters, Inc. or something, but who knows but now you know i'm gonna ask you for a few of the uh, now i have to remember them i just remember that i enjoyed them no no no. i mean that for your movie oh okay um got it we can can wait till the end but let me write that down so i don't forget to make you do that um this is actually like i would say years later like enough years to where dot is like a teenager now like an older teenager granted i do not know the lifespan of bugs um but also i know that they don't walk in their hind legs so like <laughs> i don't think i don't think science yeah, i mean i don't think science is applying a lot here so i mean they also have a bunch of like borrowers-esque machines that's true so i, I think we're okay yeah so um flick and ada are now like an item like um and ada is queen. they're going steady they're going steady um and dot is a teenager who mm-hmm. um kind of likes colony life but sort of like flick was in like the first movie a piece of shit no just like trying to be like an individual like sure. sort of not trying to follow like the colony line um and uh right now like at this point of her life she's kind of flick's lab assistant and i think mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie she helps him test some of his random inventions the one <laughs> so we get like a montage at the beginning of some of his inventions i did i wrote down a few um so i'll just go through them yeah, of course um sandals made from flat pieces of bark and grass with beet with... <laughs> sandals as an invention he invented like a telescope and a a harvesting machine and i pulled that up with sandals <laughs> yeah um i wasn't done but uh, oh, um, and they have bee stingers on the back of them, on the bottom of them, and it allows them to walk vertically. Okay. So like they like stick into like bark or something, and they can like walk vertically. Okay. Um, I think a snorkel made from <sighs> hollowed out stick, a piece of uh glass that he found, um, from like debris. In... Wait, why would he need glass for a snorkel? For the eyepiece. Oh, see, I see. Okay, so like goggles and a snorkel. Yeah, goggles and a snorkel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's fine. I it seemed weird that they're using glass, a shard of glass to breathe yeah. underwater. A sled carved and smoothed um, from bark that allows him to speed down mud trenches more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not as like mechanized as like his like harvest machine or whatever, you know. Sure. But, and um, during the scene, we see Da asks him like. Why do you make all these things? And uh, he says that kind of a real moment where he feels he doesn't ever feel being enough just being one ant. So he always mm-hmm. feels like he wants to upgrade himself and be more efficient. 
Like, and he wants That's to cool. help other people be more efficient. Sure. But with that, turns out that Flick has returned to his role as resident fuck up. But he is somewhat respected at this point um, from like saving them from Hopper mm-hmm. in the first movie. Um, and it is quickly revealed that um, his grain harvesting machine that everyone was using uh, at the end of the movie um, sort of flopped. Um, while it did increase efficiency and they were able to harvest faster, the negative side effect was causing the deforestation of the... (laughs) 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 Causing... The deforestation of their grain stocks. Jesus uh, Christ. A large part of their food supply has been tarnished, and now the anthill has to harvest farther farther on from the anthill, taking longer. Um, Flick blames himself, and it's apparent that he is determined to create the next great invention so he can get back on everybody's good side. Again, a la first movie, never learning from his mistakes. Sure. Um, so that, that's like the intro stuff, uh, in the movie. Okay. Um, so one day, um, a phenomenon appears in the sky. The entire sky turns into a checkered pattern and falls to the ground upon them. They set out to investigate and realize it's some sort of sheet and they climb on top of the sheet and find a plethora of food, burgers, carrots, popcorn, spilled beer, pieces of cake, etc. So it's a picnic. That has happened on top of their anthill in in their space. The colony is cautious at first, but until one of them takes a bite and realizes that it's delicious food, they cheer and they start to party, releasing some stress after working the long hours that they've had to do because now they Mm -hmm. have to harvest farther. It's been like a hellish time. Uh, Ada is very hesitant about this, but she is told to like lighten up. So uh, I think they party for hours and like eat all this food and the whole colony is passed out in this hedonistic stupor of eating all this food and like rocking out and whatnot on this new found food plethora. But then uh, chaos starts to start. Um, the pieces of food that they are and start getting lifted up out of the sky. Um, the ground starts to move because the blanket's being folded up and everything. And the pieces of food and the plates are being put into a bag. So it's going to the people that are having the picnic are putting all the mm-hmm. remnants into like a trash bag. Um, oh, okay. Seriously, they're like carrying their leftovers home no. in a sack. No, it's like they're cleaning up after themselves. Um, sure. Hey. Flick and Ada do not escape, and they are forced into the bag, and Dot starts to run after them. Um, but then the human like flaps the picnic mm-hmm. uh, blanket, you know, as to like get sure. crumbs off and whatever, and the ants that have basically decimated their entire lunch and she gets flinged like far far away she comes Mm -hmm. to pretty quickly and then she like climbs to the top of a flower and looks out into the distance to see where like they're going with the bag uh she sees the human the large creature drop the bag Mm -hmm. at a trash can that is seemingly so far away miles upon miles Mm -hmm. to an ant you know basically endless so dot is alone there's no none of the colony left there. They all got taken by this bag. That, oh, the entire colony? Yeah. Except for Dot? Except for Dot. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, so Dot is alone and has no colony. So she goes back to the anthill, looks around to see if anybody came back. Nobody has, and she's just there alone. So she kind of at this point, what the fuck do I do? and things about giving up and then like she's in flick's lab and she like sits on something and something and like one of his inventions falls i think it's the uh i think it's the telescope from the first movie mm-hmm. or it's the rock or it's the rock maybe it hits her in the head and, mm, you know i like that that's good yeah and she decides that she is going to set off to find the colony by herself so this is mm-hmm. this is really like dot's movie sure um Flick has his stuff going on that we'll get to later, but this is Dot's movie. Uh, like, So is this kind of like a Wizard of Oz? She's going to the trash can. The people, the fr- like her gang that she acquires along the way. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I'll let you finish the pitch. I'm not trying to cut you off. I, yeah, yeah. I'm just curious if that was the I angle. think Wizard of Oz or maybe kind of like Finding Nemo-esque. Okay. 
compare sure. it to another Pixar movie. Are we going to cross over with Finding Nemo? Who knows? We'll see. Well, they're all in the same universe, so. That's true. For more on that, look up the Disney theory, right? The Pixar the theory. theory. Something. You, the Disney hey, theory. you know the old lady in Brave? If you watch that movie, it's mm-hmm. Boo from Monsters, Inc. What? Yeah, it's. It, while I don't find it at like some aspects of it less compelling, I think we phrase that. While I find some aspects of it less compelling, it is an interesting. Yeah. Read, oh, it so is. Check it out if you're. That's something that piques your interest of. Basically, the Pixar interconnected canon, yeah. but dots dots movie back. Take up too much of your yeah. time. So, the next few points I have here are more like kind of set pieces with Mm -hmm. these are the places she's going to go along the way with the people that yeah i mean i pitched a heist movie in which i then asked you to help me come up with the heist so i'm not really going to judge you so uh i think after she starts out she's very confident and then she gets very tired Mm -hmm. after so long like uh it maybe uh we see her like happy and like like being like i'm on an adventure and then like you slowly Mm -hmm. see her like get like tired and tired and tired and then very like thirsty sure um and where she's like almost too tired to walk anymore she like comes upon this glass bottle that has been transformed into like a some sort of oasis area okay turns out it's like a mountain dew bottle a glass mountain dew bottle or something like that okay and uh there's still some liquid in it and there um a bunch of bugs have turned it into like a spa where like the carbonation <laughs> yeah the carbonation the bubbles are like supposed to have healing properties and like sure. dot's just happy to see like people and like have some nourishment okay at this spa uh she runs into an old friend uh it's francis the ladybug okay who has since then uh since the first movie has actually found success as an actor and is um here like vacationing and getting a massage and his whole bit here is that uh he is sitting in the only place where the light is reflect like refracting into the yeah refracting i think that's where it like goes in and and kind of like scatters out yeah um in like the perfect spot for that He's cogging in and he's been there for hours being kind of a douche, just not letting anybody sit there. Um, so he gets in to like an argument with this guy who's trying to like force him out of the space. Come on, you've been here for hours. Similar to how he gets in in a fight with the flies at the beginning mm-hmm. of the first movie because of his anger and stuff. So uh, he uh, he starts to get in the fight and he realizes he's overrun and everything. And Dot and him talk in this scene. I don't know what happens necessarily between them, sure. Um, sure. but uh, uh, he gets out of this fight uh, kind of like he did in the first movie by doing the Robin Hood thing, except he mm-hmm. uh, says he recites a speech from a famous play word for word. I'm thinking like a Macbeth or something. Um, sure. And I wrote these two words, Mike. I'm, I'm ready. Mealworm Shakespeare. Okay. Mealworm Shakespeare. Give me a minute. Just let me sit with that for a minute. Oh, like mealworm as in William? Yeah. Is that's, that what you were? That's, okay. That's what I was going for. Mike. There's p- pillium, like a pill bug. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on. Hit, hit me with that name one more time. I'm not sure I heard it right. Mealworm Shakespeare. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to be a good friend. So they they escape that scuffle or whatever, and once mm-hmm. Dot tells Francis what's going on, he of course offers to come along, and so they move on to the next place, which is a candy wrapper. So like they move along. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a candy bar that has been turned into a cave where the chocolate drippings are drawn, kind of like purposely drawn onto the walls, like cave drawings of mythical bugs that exist. Um, okay. And it's a tourist trap. It's like a sure. cryptid zoology esque place uh-huh. that. So no, sorry, go no, ahead. Go ahead. The, 
the candy bar has been made into a cave or they've it's kind of like used I, it, the cave to they've used the chocolate to draw on a cave I'm, I'm just confused it's a candy wrapper that's wadded up so it's not okay does that make i sense? think i'm with you now so like it's if like you ball a piece of paper up there's still like an yeah. opening in it it's just that and there's still air in it you know uh, okay. So like you can like go into. I mean they're bugs, so they're small enough yeah, that they yeah, could go okay. into. Um, yeah, I guess I was thinking for some reason that it'll hold them a little bit bigger and candy wrappers a little bit smaller. Uh, you know, again, again, uh, the ants walk on hind legs and no, I know, making forestation machines. According to my movie, we can, <laughs> if you can think of something better. Yeah, I understand. About, I just no, no, I, I no, wasn't no, seeing it in no, my no, head. No, if you I can think they of were getting something inside a candy bar, that and that's the where I was like, would be really on. it can be on a napkin. Or, so, or like something large. No, no, this is perfect. <clears throat> okay. No, I think you're. I think you're fine. I just. Got, I was got misunderstanding. It. I was misunderstanding what you were laying down. That's all. <laughs> I'm on the same page uh, with you. I like. It. I think it works. So it's like it's, it's a good. tourist trap. Um, and guess who's there? Heimlich. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. We said so candy Heim- bar. It seemed like the natural yeah uh well heimlich is he's giving like cave tours he's like the the tour guide of the place the whole bit is that the place claims to be magical and there's actually legend of there being like a mythical bug that still lives here and during one of the tour uh and during the tour uh the there's like a sighting of it and uh-huh. Francis and Doc can clearly see that it's the roly poly bugs just covered <laughs> in chocolate, like stacked, stacked on top of each other. And during it, uh, they, during like the thing, they of course get into a fight and ruin the bit. Sure. And I think how this whole scene ends is that Dot has, it's dark in this place. So Dot has a, uh, some sort of like fire device. I imagine like maybe a tiny matchstick or something or yeah. some sort of flint. Yeah, like invented yeah. a little bit of a light, a tiny lighter or something. Yeah. Francis takes it and takes it over to the pill bugs. I knew it was you and like starts cussing him out or something. And then he gets too close to the edge of the wall and the place <laughs> lights up and uh, they all escape yeah. and everything. But Heimlich loses his job. <laughs> um, <laughs> the pill bugs also come with them tuck sure. tuck and roll right yes okay so that's how they come along um so we've only got like four more people to recruit yeah i'm not doing everybody spoilers manny's not it <sighs> well the guy who voices All right. the guy who voices manny is dead so oh is he as is the person who voices gypsy yeah um so the next place is a tomato and it's a rotten tomato comedy club <laughs> you're a mike's, bastard mike's mike's face right now guys they uh stop here uh because uh on purpose because francis hears that slim is here and maybe he uh can help them or something or maybe he mm-hmm. knows people mm-hmm. he's heard that slim is a pretty successful comedian now okay and uh they know that he has a standing run here and they hear that he's a pretty successful uh, prop comic. <laughs> <laughs> they watch the show and uh, they quickly learn that Slim is not a prop comic, but he's a comic prop. Sure. He is used by an actual prop comic named Cockroach Top. <laughs> I said Cockroach Top. My, no, oh, sorry. <laughs> I said cockroach top. One day we're going to have to talk about how to do puns. Yeah. <laughs> um, and cockroach top uses slim as various stick based props, obviously, such as a crutch or a stripper pole or a baseball bat. And uh, the team learns that the comedy club is actually owned by cockroach top. And Slim is working for him, not for any sort of pay, but so so his improv comedy troupe can perform there, because uh, it's a because re- it's a really great opportunity. Uh, what's the uh, improv comedy troupe called? I'm glad you asked. It's called Slim Pickens, <laughs> <laughs> and it's. <laughs> Good. Yep. All right.
right. Now let's go back to mealworm Shakespeare. Go back to mealworm with that energy. Let's go yeah. back. Um, and the his improv troupe is actually compromised of a myriad of a myriad of different bugs who are often typecasted. So like mm-hmm. leaf bugs and hummingbird moths and stuff. Like mm-hmm. leaf bugs only ever play leaves and hummingbird only ever ever get bird roles. You know. So we see the performance of the improv troupe. And says about as good as you can expect. And the team encourages Slim uh, to ask Cockroach Top, since he's working for him for free, um, to be his opener, which the comedian laughs at and angers Francis and Heimlich and Dot. And eventually this comedy club turns into like a bar fight. Cool. Slim is then left without a club to perform at, and, but is happy to be back with his friend. Is the comedy club called a Roach House? To get that roadhouse reference in for when they get in a bar fight. That's what the bartender said. Hey, you don't do that stuff here. You have to go down to the roach house to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's good. So that's all the stuff that happens in my A, a story um, mm-hmm. before it gets to like kind of the ending. Okay. So between these scenes, I imagine the B story is happening, sure. which is with Flick and Ada and the rest of the colony who are now so far away from their anthill and um, they survive the journey and they survive the dumpster and escape out into the ground and the open and everything but they're still so far away and they don't know what to do flick sees this as his chance to be a hero again because he never learns yeah God. Uh, somehow you, you're making me hate flick more i mean watch the first movie basically the he learns no lesson except for maybe the lesson that it's okay to lie to everyone you know if it ends up okay at the end yeah i think the idea is supposed to be that messing up is okay as long as you don't give up in the movie meet the robinsons i think that's what they wanted was hey like just because your inventions keep fucking up eventually you're gonna get it right and it's gonna be awesome but that's not really the lesson that that movie gets across it's a weird mix of something about potential and if you just pretend long enough eventually everyone will believe you i don't know I'm sure there are people who love A Bug's Life that have turned off this episode. Well, I, I actually don't hate A Bug's Life. I really, it was actually one of my favorite ones when I was a kid. But it has, mm-hmm. yeah, it, I'm not saying that, it just doesn't have a very good moral lesson, I don't think, that I think a lot of the other Pixar movies. Yeah. At least not a clear one. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's like, they try to tie three different character arcs into together to be like see part of that applies to this character too and part of that and it just ends up being this like weird vague something about trees and seeds yeah and rocks um well, i was pretending it was a seed. i gotcha but it but it's a rock yeah must be an ant thing yeah um also a good joke in that mm-hmm. that that's actually a very good joke, a in, very that movie. Good joke in that movie all right, so they're at the dumpster. They're at the dumpster. So Flick immediately sees this as his moment to be a hero again. Ada's queen declares that everyone collect what food that they can for the long journey mm-hmm. home without much hope. Like everyone kind of feels we're a bunch of ants, you know, we could easily all die on this trip back. Mm-hmm. And Flick sees his, waits for his chance in his moment, and he makes these roller skates that are trying to, that's with small, smooth rocks um, and some sort of axle made out of a, a stick and bark and everything. I don't know. I don't know how any of his inventions work, really, but like they, they work to a point where, so he's rolling around the ants. Hey, look at me, guys. I can move so much faster. We should all wear these. And during his presentation, one of the rocks in the shoot, the skates, flings off of his skate and hits uh-huh. Ada right in the head and, like, knocks her out. So he causes, like, their queen to be incapacitated. She's not dead, but, like, she can't move or leave. Sure. I don't think anyone notices that that's how what happened. They just think a rock hit her, but Flick knows. And he hides it. And uh, he's, uh, well, you guys are, like, taking care of her. I'm going to go scout out ahead. And he like, goes up onto a flower and looks out into the distance. And he can actually see the tree that where their anthill mm-hmm. is. Um, but it's across a lake. And he thinks that he's has this look in his eye that says he has a great idea. So he also sees a way so, that's longer and more, like, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's, there's another way that's. Okay. Also, though, because Dot. You didn't mention this lake yeah. dot looked. Yeah. Whatever. So I'm just making sure that okay, that yeah. so fine. From here, uh so he's I can see where we're supposed to go and he he's not very truthful. He leads them to the lake and they're like, 
Flick, what the fuck? Why are we here? And he's, I can get us across. And he takes a leaf out, or he has a bunch of people help him get a leaf. He messes with it and it turns into a boat that looks like very mm-hmm. flimsy. And who knows if it could actually do it. But uh, he gets into the, he, they're like, oh, okay. Uh, and he, and so they get into the boat. I think on the journey over things hit there's some sort of like accident and they have to abandon mm-hmm. the boat and they get into a log and take that the rest of the way but basically like flicks shit didn't work put him in danger needless danger blah 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 um i think ada wakes up at this point and is oh what's going on and she wakes up on the lake and oh what the fuck where are we where are we where are we and she asks whose idea this was and she said and they say flick and she knows exactly what happened because she knows flick they all know flick too but like we obviously yeah. uh they have a heart-to-heart talk it's just you know and i don't think even i think she's mad at him but she also wants to help him or like because mm-hmm. she she loves him and um she, they have a conversation sure. somewhere in the realm of hey flick you may just see yourself as just one ant, but you're fucking enough, man. You're 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 enough for this entire colony. You don't need to be our hero. Be our friend. Look out for us. Is that why you're saying you've got a friend in me at the beginning? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. By the way, I'm keeping in that pause. The entirety of that pause. Yeah, that, that very pregnant pause. Oh, spoilers. Also, Ada's pregnant. Uh, you ever think about how, like, the queen in the first one gave birth to, like, all those ants? Oh, I was super worried about where that question... <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned Ada's pregnant again. Do you ever think about how... Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't, but thanks for that. Welcome. Um, everyone go no, that's back. That's a good point, because Flick and Ada are siblings. Yeah, I think they're all siblings, right? Well, yeah, they are. I just mean, it's whatever. I mean... We have a teenage ant in this. I don't even know how that works. I bet. I bet this all. I bet the entirety of a bug's life and a bug's life too happens in a span of four days, <laughs> in like an ant's life cycle, right? Well, I don't know, but it's, it's supposed to take like a season, at least, or half a season. Okay. The first one, at least, because there have I don't know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the time frame was not a major yeah. issue. Yeah. So I don't have much more for the B story. Sure. But, um, to no, get I think to it the, works. To get to the ending. Um, mm-hmm. I think that Dot and the crew, Francis, Slam, and Heimlich, and Tuck and Roll, like, they actually make it to the trash can. And mm-hmm. they, by that point, it's too late. And they're, um, they're nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, Dot's, what do I do? Like, where's my colony? And then I'm completely alone. And then the circus crew is just, you have us, you know? The circus crew's like, sure are, and they all leave. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think so. Like, I, I think that she, her Dot's journey in this is realizing that she's never alone, really, I think, because mm-hmm. she has so many people in her life that she was so afraid of being alone um, and being a loner, you know, because uh, she is somewhat different than the rest of the colony. She doesn't really feel like she fits in, mm-hmm. um, but she still wants to be a part of them, uh, even though she feels like an outsider. Uh, and seeing that she always has friends and she'll always be a part of something greater than sure that, I, like is, that. I think i think her i think it's her whole arc i have go ahead. i'm sorry go ahead finish your i and see maybe we can talk about this in my concept section because mm-hmm. i don't hate it ending sort of right there you know with her with the bugs yeah. not knowing where the colony is um and, and the colony adrift in the lake oh no well the colony, I imagine, makes it back to the anthill. And I have an idea for that. Okay, yeah, let's let's talk about ending wrap up stuff for my story. I like I like your idea too. I think I don't know. I think there needs to be some kind of button on Dot's story of like whether or not she goes back or stays with the circus. I don't think it matters which one, and we don't actually have to see her go back. I just I think that there needs to be something yeah. there. What if she gave up? What if she's about to give up? And then she sees ant footprints leading yeah. in a direction. I was thinking maybe like, they're like, so do you want to go back to your colony? Like maybe she sees the footprints 
and as they they're heading home and she, so uh francis is like well do you want to go back and she looks and goes eventually and then that implies that she will go home but the long way around she kind of bumming around with these circus bugs exploring for um yeah the bee story my idea was that they're adrift in this lake and kind of the idea of one among many idea is they start running to spin the log to move it through the water but it takes all of them okay flick can't do it by himself it takes all the ants got to it. get them to safety or to the to the lake's edge i had i really like that idea i think maybe it's ada's idea too maybe she's like here watch and she tells him okay everyone yeah. start moving you ants move in this direction you you guys I move in this for direction the lesson and then... to work flick can't be the one to come up with the plan Otherwise, again, we didn't learn anything. Flick's idea saved the day, regardless of... But no, I think that's good. And I think that's a satisfying... And I think we see them make landfall. We don't need to see them come back to the colony. Yeah, I really like that. And I think if we go back to Dot's thing, Mm -hmm. uh, where she sees the footprints... I think she knows in her mind mm-hmm. they made it. Oh, yeah. That's, they made it back. That's what I mean. I know they I think did. Maybe she says that. And and that's then, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about the idea of she'll eventually go home, but let's have some adventures first. I, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, let me yeah. experience the world a little bit. It fits in her being a teenager, too. You know, like she's at this kind of crossroads where she wants to be part of mm-hmm. this thing, this bigger thing, but also wants to be an end of she wants to belong, but also wants, to be, also wants to be an individual. So yeah, I think that's a sure. good, a good button. Yeah, man. Honestly, I'd watch this movie. Yeah, it, it, it's it's good. I thought when when I was writing it, I thought mm-hmm. it was just a bunch of. It, there are a lot of jokes. Sure. Well, no, I mean, yeah, it's a kids' movie too. Yeah. Like, Bugs Life has a decent amount of jokes. Yeah. Um, um, no, uh, I think it's good. I like it. But one more thing, at the end, um, Hop uh, or Molt comes out and is I'm going to sacrifice you, Flick to bring back the ghost of the ghost of hopper well that's all the time we have here on equalizers i'm cutting that out well madison i think with that we're gonna have to wrap up another episode of the equalizers i'm madison jones i'm mike Knoll. viva las vegas to be continued